episode 309 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. This show was engineered on Monday, 10th of October, 2022. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast is brought to you by Turn Bicycles. The good people at Turn are committed to building bikes that are useful enough to ride every day and dependable enough to carry the people you love. In other words, they make the kind of bikes that they want to ride. Turn has e-bikes for every type of rider, whether you're commuting, taking your kids to school, or even carrying another adult. Visit www.turnbicycles.com, that's T-E-R-N, bicycles.com, to learn more. In the last episode, I said this one would come to you from Brussels. It sort of is, but this isn't the episode I meant. Still to come is a report on bicycle advocacy in Brussels alongside mobility news from the EU's Committee of the Regions. But this one is a bonus episode. We managed to get the old crew back together. And this is a roundtable discussion between Jim Moss, Tim Jackson, Donatochi and David Bernstein, all in America, and me joining the chat from the DFDS ferry from Newcastle to Amsterdam. Welcome to episode 309 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. No, do not adjust your set. This is not Carlton Reed's voice. Uh, this is actually David from the Fredcast. And we're going to talk about the Fredcast in a little while because we're going to find out what everybody's doing. And you all are going to say, well, you haven't done a Fredcast in an age or two, but we'll talk about that. And although Carlton may not be hosting today, he is here. Carlton, how are you and where are you? David, it's so good to see everybody. Because uh, just, just uh, this, this is going to be going out as an audio-only podcast, although we can see each other. So it is genuinely good. When I say see each other, we can actually see each other. So it's good to see each other here. But you might hear some weird noises even more weird noises coming from me than normal because i am on a north sea ferry i am on my turn verge uh bicycle is in the belly of this ship and i am going from my hometown in newcastle to amsterdam and then on to to brussels for like my umpteenth trip of the year so only two left or th this one and one more and then that's it for the whole year the Reed men travel a lot, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On bicycles or other self-propulsional means tends to be. So, yeah. Yeah, we do. Me, me and, in fact, I'm. you mentioned that. Uh, Josh is uh, my transcontinental riding son, is going to be in Amsterdam on Thursday, and we're coming back on the same ferry. So he's bummed a lift. <laughs> that's excellent well that and 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 carlton at some point maybe you'll 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 give us a rundown of what josh has been doing because he has just been everywhere i mean every everyone knows about his ride from from china home uh but he's just continued pedaling and you'd think he'd be tired of it but he, but he's not so uh it's it's pretty cool what he's doing what an adventure uh you you may also have heard the chuckle of tim jackson there good morning sir Good morning. 
it's 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 early in San Diego. It's early in San Diego. Well, I mean, it's not that bad. It's it's you know, it is eight a.m. and I'm, I'm usually up somewhere around six anyway. So, uh, and as as I've uh, been sharing, I, I do have coffee. Yeah, lots and lots of coffee. Yeah, that's good. Excellent. Got my jitter juice, so I'm good to go. He's even got the uh, caffeine molecule on his uh, virtual background behind him because you know almost three years into the pandemic, we're all doing stuff like that. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you may have also heard a female laugh in there as well. Uh, again, like Tim and Carlton, I mean, really everybody here, one of our original spokespeople. Hello, Donna Tosi. Hello. It is. I am so excited. I'm like a giddy little kid um, seeing all of you here. So this is wonderful. I don't think I've done a podcast with you in a year at least. So hello, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, good to see you so uh, from Boston, from the from the Boston area, the New England area. Yes, and it is a nice, crisp, clear, beautiful, sunny morning here as we record in the Boston area. And I'm looking behind Carlton where it is not sunny. No, <laughs> not sunny here either. <laughs> it's, it's it's gray, but it's not raining. That's the main thing. It's gray. That's England. Uh, yeah. And uh, also another chuckle you may have heard back there. Uh, the 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 attorney who keeps us all safe. Let's say hello to Jim Moss. <laughs> oh, are you guys drinking the Kool Aid? Uh, hi, everybody. How are you? It's great to see you all. Hey, I want to go around real quick. I just want to go around real quick, and and because it has been a while since we've all been together, and of course, you know we've we've been chatting for twenty minutes just because you know we we miss each other. Um, I just want to just having technical difficulties joining. Ah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't give Jim a hard time. <laughs> uh, I just want to go around and, and find out what everybody's doing and, and where you are in your lives and things like that. And because uh, it's been a while since we've been on all together. And, you know, I'm sure that the audience is curious. I, I'm going to start. Uh, I Probably the last time I was on, uh, I was still in Park City, Utah uh, and uh, doing my thing there. Uh, I am coming to you today from the oldest capital city in the United States. Uh, that has had four different nations' flags fly over the capital, uh, and that is Santa Fe, New Mexico. So this is where I live at the moment. Shoot, um, I was guessing you're gray. <laughs> that is uh, a lot of history. I like that. Wow. Yeah. History, culture, art, food. If you have a bad meal in Santa Fe, you're doing something wrong. Um, so have you tried yeah. those things called hatch chilies. Apparently they're big in, in New Mexico. Uh, never heard of it. As a matter of fact, I roasted one the other day on my barbecue so that I could make some nice Santa Fe chicken sandwiches. They were excellent. So yes. And, and we just had the hatch chili festival, the, 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 the Albuquerque balloon fiesta we went to last weekend was amazing. So New Mexico has been a whole lot of fun. Uh, coming up soon, however, uh, I will have a Home on wheels. I'm going mobile for a few years and we're going to travel North America in an Airstream trailer. So we're really looking forward to that. Oh, oh. Cool. Jim laughs because he thinks I've joined a cult because his parents are, are members of that cult and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, have been for a long time. And that brings me to what I was talking about before with the Fredcast. I'm seriously considering bringing back podcasting, maybe doing it full time. Um so it's something that I'm going to reach out to the Fredcast audience and ask them about. So it's funny. I was thinking about it last night as I was going to bed. Rich Kelly used to say that I was the Walter Cronkite of cycling. Now I'm thinking of becoming the Charles Kuralt of cycling. So um, <laughs> fun. 
<laughs> yeah, so Ooh, we'll you see. You can come visit all of us. That's and yeah. then And do a show with all of us. Yes. Carly, you have to come over. We're moving. And you're not going to tell me where, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I need your driveway, Jim. Yeah. Yeah, now Jim's going to get an Airstream. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've spent many a night in Airstreams. <laughs> yeah. I My parents that. lived in one for 30 years, basically. So, wow. I'm not doing that. I figure three to five years, and then we'll settle down eventually again. Yeah. It, I'd go visit them, then it'd take me a week to learn to stand up straight again. So. <laughs> Jim, what are you up to these days? I'm still practicing law. I really don't expect to ever practicing? get it right. Are you getting any better yet? No, not. I'm, no, most people <laughs> say I'm getting a lot worse, Jim. Believe me. Um, and uh, the big thing I'm doing is I finally got the uh, Greater Colorado Council of the Boy Scouts of America to bring on cycling as an activity that they're really investing in. So um, that's awesome. Yeah, we. Cool. I got them to purchase um, thirty brand new Marin uh, mountain bikes for this summer. I brought back nineteen of them last night from a camporee where we had four hundred and fifty kids. I had about two hundred mountain biking. Um, and and we put uh, we've got four or five new miles of trails there. I built a beginner trail for them, um, and and it's just taken off. Uh, we, we're buying brand new bikes every spring, and then we're selling them to the kids at the end of the season. So one every summer when a kid comes to go mountain biking with us at summer camp, he's got a brand new bike, and then kids at the the end of the season can actually buy the bikes. And take them home because at the end of the season, Marin allows us to sell them to the kids almost at wholesale prices. And so they get great deals. We get a bike and, and they get a bike and it's, it's perfect. Um, I got to thank Marin. I know it's a plug, but they bent over backwards to help us out. Um, gave us a heck of an offer. Their bikes have been fantastic. Uh, two problems and that's it. And the, even I could put them together when they arrived out of the box. So, you oh, know, my buddy Chris Holmes, who works at, at, at Marin, is going to have a head swelling like a balloon. Let him know. He's <laughs> whatever they need. We're going to I'm going to help them out because they really helped me out. So I've got I had uh, over a thousand kids start to learn how to mountain bike this year. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's that's the the uh, the, the the make my day fun part. And then the rest of the time, I'm just trying to keep people from doing stupid things. <laughs> so, you got to try a little harder. I know. I'm failing. It's Come kind on. of an epidemic of people doing stupid things, my friend. <laughs> I'm failing miserably. <laughs> but at least I can talk to my main audience once in a while nowadays and keep this up. So, <laughs> Donna, what are you up to these days? Not anything as exciting as those two things, but I did start a new job a year ago, um, and I am headed down to D.C. tomorrow to uh, attend our conference. We put on a conference every year, and it's in person for the first time in three years. So uh, the company I work for is ATPCO, which is a technology company in the airline industry, um, the foundation of modern airline retailing, and we touch 80% of the flights worldwide. So, um, so, so does COVID. 
Oh, um, let's hope not. Let's hope I'm on the 20% tomorrow. Um, so we have 350 people coming to the DC area this week. Um, so I will be there. And um, and then I'm coming back and I'm going up to Maine um, to visit my niece at Orono. But we're going to head to, my best friend and I are going to head to Acadia National Park, which we haven't been to since we were in the ninth grade. And we're going to try and catch one of the early sunrises because that's the first place that the sun rises in the U.S. So um, she kind of looked at me a little funny when I said we should grab the sunrise, but um, I think I'll be able to drag her out and do that. But otherwise, we are still here in the Boston area um, and um, added a kitty to the mix, but still have the fluffy husky and kitty, which you can see on my my Instagrams. And I did the Jimmy Fund walk again last weekend to uh, help kick cancer in the butt. So we did nice. our 13, 13.1 miles last weekend. Nice. Awesome. I was going to ask you about the dog. I'm glad you brought that up. Excellent. Yes. My fluffy Husky is still very fluffy and here. So that's she why we had to questions. She always looks so annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> she hates having her picture taken. So it's really weird. Like, I don't know how she knows, but if you hold up your phone anywhere near her, she turns her head away. So to get her to look, she's super annoyed all the time. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. Wow. With the photographer in the house and then me trying to get her, she's yeah. 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 Tim, what are you doing? Oh, well, when when my blood isn't too thick, uh I'm still riding a bike when I can, although it's been it's now been about six weeks. I'm still doing freelance PR media marketing stuff. So uh still very much involved in the bike industry behind the scenes. Um there was some some guy yesterday went really fast in a circle for a while wearing shoes from one of my clients. We're going to talk uh, about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm still you know slinging words for a living, um, and you know trying trying not to fall off my bike unsuccessfully. But you know I'm still trying. Please. I didn't know that was Tim falling off his bike. I know, right? Tim has had enough of Tim falling off his bike. Is is that a goal of cycling is not to fall off? Because I'm obviously (laughs) failing a lot. Yeah. yeah. There's there's a lot of us in that boat (laughs) or ambulance. And Tim, you've started your poetry again. Yeah. Yeah. The analog assassin uh, is is the, the Instagram handle. And uh, actually have had a couple of conversations with a few folks recently about trying to put something together to to maybe finally actually publish something in the physical world rather than just digitally. Nice. Good for you. Very nice. A lot of typewriters, unfortunately. (laughs) I was thinking about you the other day. I'm a crappy, crappy typist. I really am. I'm I'm very much a hunt and peck, hammer fisted typist. And and it's, uh, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty sad, really. But uh, for somebody who makes his living, you know, writing with words, yeah. yes, I know, right? But our friend, our friend Garrett, would be very proud of you. Uh, yes, I actually have have uh, had a, a number of conversations uh, with his former partner uh, Heidi, and so she's doing well. Just so. So speaking of writing, Mr. Reed, I saved the best for last. I, I, I I'm sure you would say. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you doing these days? Because it seems like it seems like you're everywhere. Uh, geographically, I'm certainly in many, many places at the moment. Um, what I'm doing for work is Forbes, 
uh, is The Guardian. So I did some uh, travel pieces. I've done some news pieces for The Guardian recently. Um, and I'm doing this podcast <laughs> now and again when I, when I can. And I'm still doing my, so I've got my, my historian's hat on. So I'm still doing my, my 1930s project, which come December, when I stop traveling and when I settle down and we, when we get the dog, getting a dog on her, uh, a brand new puppy, a guide oh, dog puppy yeah. in, in December. So that, that's when Carlton Reed bike at Instagram, that's when it becomes a dog <laughs> channel once again. Forget, forget the bikes, it becomes a, a dog channel. But in December, when, when I'm basically sat at home, I've got three months solid um, writing up of, of this project. So I then become a historian for three months. Wow. Uh, do you want to share, well, since we brought it up before, you know, sort of what Josh has been up to? Because I, I think I think the audience would find it interesting if they don't know already. I think it's interesting. Well, he's he's got a really good YouTube channel. So go ahead and and do as DC Rainmaker says. You know, subscribe <laughs> here. Um, what's his YouTube? What's his YouTube so channel? He, he what is it? Uh, do you know? I don't know what it is. It's just I always search for it and just find it by just going Josh Reed China, <laughs> okay. and then you kind of it, it, it pops up, and then I kind of I I, I go that way um so that's the, that's his main video so he's got this video of his trip back from china which has had three million views which is making him he's actually technically he's an Ooh. influencer so he's got thirty thousand plus subscribers probably more than that now the last time i looked so he, that, he's an, an influencer because if you get thirty thousand of any follower on any platform you are technically an influencer so he's he's he jacked in his job uh, which he was doing for uh, a couple of years. And he's now full-time going around the world, doing nice bike trips, filming it, doing it all on his iPhone. All of these videos that you see, you know, there's a bit of GoPro, there's a bit of um, his, his uh, DJI drone footage, which he does fantastic footage of, from his trips. But it's all, he, he hasn't got a laptop with him. It's all actually edited on and un un uploaded from from the iphone wow. so he's just done the transcontinental we dropped him off in fact we took him on the ferry exactly this trip here i'm doing now we took him across to belgium where he rode his bike from gerritsbergen uh, which anybody who knows the the cobbled classics will know gerritsbergen so he went uh, from the moor the the, the 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 cobbled climb of the moor and he went all the way across to burgas in bulgaria it was about 10 days and he was number one in, in, as the youngest rider. He was the first young uh, of, of, of his age group to, to get across. And he was something like 20th, 15th, 20th, something like that. And then whereas other people would just fly back or put a train back, he's just come back very slowly. And, and he'll be, he's in Paris right now. And he will be in Amsterdam when I get there on Thursday. So we'll then bring him back on the exact same journey. So just all the way back from the uh, Amsterdam to our hometown of Newcastle. I looked, wow. it, up, I looked it up. It's 32,500 subscribers and get this 3,383,200 views. So he's got, mm -hmm. he's got a great YouTube channel and also his Instagram. So, um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool what he's doing. He's sort of living that that cycling dream in a way, you know. People always yeah. talk about doing those kinds of things. 
and he's doing it, which I think is just really, really cool. So, yeah. Okay. So, so 30,000 makes you an influencer. All right. Bella needs to step up her game. She's only at 16.9 for one of her reels. So. There you go. <laughs> so but that's... that is super cool, Carlton. Yeah. Wow. He's, he, and he's a good kid too, you know, so. <laughs> wow. Good for him. And he's doing it all in his iPhone. Like I can't go anywhere without my iPhone, my iPad, my, my laptop. And he's just doing it all in his iPhone. He's traveling, he's traveling really light. So he's, he's got uh, bike yeah. packing bags. So he's got wow. virtually nothing. So he's got to do it light. I mean, the, most of the stuff, it's, it's a third of it, the, the room is, is basically the drone. You know, and the rest is, oh, you might have you know, underpants. Okay, maybe. That's it. You know, he's got nothing apart from his, you know, his equipment. I mean, he's got to come home right quick because he hasn't got any wind. Oh. You know, he's going he's gonna to freeze. He, he's going to be very yeah. cold. So uh, speaking of riding for a long time, this is my typical segue here. Tim mentioned somebody who went really far yesterday, really fast yesterday, and that was Philip Ogana. Uh, Tim, fill everybody, sorry, fill everybody in (laughs) on uh, on what happened yesterday. I watched like the last 25 minutes because I I just couldn't handle 60 minutes of circles. Sorry, Donna. It's absolutely Um, yeah, Philip Ogana of, of Italy brought the hour record uh, back to Italy since uh, the last time Francesco Moser set the record way back when. So it's been in other hands for a while. And and more impressively to me is that he he smashed the the ultimate hour of Chris Boardman and the now banned position and equipment that he was on. Superman and, position. Yeah, I mean to go. 56.792 kilometers. That's 35.5 miles in an hour is just bonkers fast. And, you know, that's that's an hour at 35 and a half miles an hour. And just, you know, a lot of guys get all excited when they see 35 as a max speed on their computer after a ride. And he did that on average for an hour, riding negative splits meaning that he started off slower than he finished. He finished faster than he started. So at the end of an hour, he was going faster than he was at the beginning of the hour. That's crazy. It's unbelievable. And the bike that he was on is also pretty impressive. I mean, Pinarello spent a ton of money and time on research and development and having this thing 3D printed out of a material called Scalmaloy, I believe is the, the official name. So it's it's not even a carbon bike because they can't get the shapes in carbon that they wanted for this thing. So it was 3D printed in metal in multiple pieces that are then bonded together with aerospace glue. So the enti- the entire thing is just unbelievable. And you know, a- again, that that kind of speed and that kind of effort. I mean, it goes down to every single breath. I mean, they they had lap cards for him to show lap times that they printed out in advance so they could just whip that up in front of him so he would know when he went around what that last lap was and whether he wanted to go up or down based on that. And and I've been proclaiming for years now that I'm going to attempt to set an age record, hour record on our local track, which is, you know, more tongue in cheek than anything because our track is an outdoor cement track or asphalt track that's really really slow so it's it's more of a a vanity project for those of us who have who have either attempted or have done it 
And, you know, there's, I, I don't know that I'm going to hit 35 for a single lap, let alone trying to do 35 for an hour. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just the, the, the entire concept of the hour really is one of those ultimate benchmarks in cycling that, you know, people talk about, myself included, uh, track cycling being the purest form of, of bike racing, because it is just a single gear and it's fixed. There's no brakes. It's just you and machine. And the hour really, truly is sort of the the ultimate standard for that. I mean, it's just you don't get much more simplified and distilled version of cycling than go as hard as you can for an hour. It's incredible. You mentioned you know, the bike um, yeah. and, and the bike in order because of the new rule the bike actually has to be something that consumers can go out and buy this yeah. year yeah i mean I, i'm sure it's Minarello is taking orders for it yeah how much I bet. <laughs> so i thought that was then there was this really you know the, there was a lot of talk yesterday as the 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 attempt was occurring about uh dan bigham yeah uh, who yeah. who Held the hour record, yeah. yeah, and who helped work on this attempt, and all about the aerodynamics, getting oh, yeah. the body core temperature down. You know, we, wow. we what, what I thought was really, and this I mean, is it orchestrated down to every single breath. Yes, it's and unbelievable. When, and so I, you know, I've railed on this show before about the D word when it comes to professional cycling. Here, <laughs> this was. I would call it the <laughs> E-word. This was an engineered attempt as yep. compared to a, a doped attempt, hopefully. And so yep. I, I I find that really cool. I would much rather see that. This is me again talking. I would rather see an engineered attempt than one that used, you know, chemical means. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, absolutely. everything from making sure that his warm-up was correct to the proper warm-up music to the proper air temperature inside the velodrome. I mean, everything was measured, pre-measured, re-measured the entire time. Drinking slushies to bring the core the core temperature down, which, yeah. you know, that just, that to me, that's motivation to go to every 7-Eleven I see yeah. on my ride, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Jim, I'm sorry, I stepped on you there for a no, second. No, no, it's okay. But it's, it's really interesting that here we are 100 years after we first started doing our bike races. How fast can you go in an hour? And that's one thing that's still hanging in there. Probably doesn't have the the, the following that it did a hundred years ago, uh, but you know we're we're still doing that. That started. That was one of the big things that started when cycling really started to take off. And one of the reasons it took off is how far can you go in an hour on a bicycle? And we're still doing it. And and it's interesting, you know, Tim calls it the purest form of cycling, right? And and I was making a joke, Donna, about going in circles. But you know, I've had people say to me, Oh, you know, NASCAR is nothing because you know they go in circles all day. Go to go look at Monte Carlo and you know F1 and those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, um, you know, racing is racing. Yep. Yeah. You know, so I, I think the purest oh, of cycling. I think the purest form of cycling is the kids that I see outside my office window who are riding up and down the street on their bikes, laughing and chasing oh, each other. And having yeah. That's unbridled joy. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you wish that worked for you when you were on a bike? Yeah. <laughs> Me, it's that unbridled. will make you go a whole lot faster for an hour. That'll yeah. take you a little way. Well, mine's unbridled. It's just mostly pain nowadays. So. 
So other other UCI events this this weekend. I'm going to be honest. This is not something that I follow. I and you guys are going to. Okay, years ago I used to say I didn't get you know e bikes. And we'll talk about that in a little while. <laughs> um, now you own them. You don't get them. Yes. And, uh, and, and, you know, I just don't get gravel. It's just, that's me. But this weekend, the UCI gravel worlds, I'm coming back to you, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The uh, UCI has managed to get their dirty little fingers all over uh, gravel racing and, um, managed to suck the soul and life out of it and make it pretty much a completely flat race with a third of it being on asphalt um, and shortened the women's field uh, distance because, you know, they, the UCI still doesn't believe that women can go as far yeah. as, or as fast. And Did, all the did they not watch the women's Tour de France? Well, and all the gravel racing anywhere else in the world, the women and men do the exact same courses. But of course, UCI has to come in and go, ah, you ladies, you get a shorter race because, you know, ladies. And it's just so I'm more railing about UCI than I am gravel. Jim, okay. keep him out of jail. <laughs> oh, you know, it, I don't think David Lapartient has my phone number, so I'm probably OK. Well, and, and just we got to give him a second passport if he ever goes back to Europe. That's the only issue. So. Yeah. Well, they'll, they'll put me on the same list as Ian Trellor and they won't let me into their press conferences anymore. Yes, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I digress. Um, so yes, on Saturday, uh, Pauline Ferrand-Prevot of France won her fourth world championship of the summer to wow. become the gravel world champion. Yes. I mean, she's a you know obviously a, a big time mountain yeah. cyclocross racer who has uh, quite the list of world championships as well as races on the road. So she was more than overqualified for a race that short. Um, <laughs> And then in the men's race today, Guillaume Vermeesh uh, won the the men's race. Um, and again, he's you know a, a world tour road racer and uh, pro cyclocross racer. So the gravel worlds, the UCI gravel worlds, produced pretty much what people thought it would, which was UCI big time pros winning this inaugural event which was almost pancake flat, beautiful in Italy. I mean, lots of bike paths and grass and, you know, 30% asphalt. So if you were fast on the road, you had a really good shot at this. You know, what caught me off guard about gravel racing is how fast that is. Oh yeah. I mean, it, 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 <laughs> even the real gravel races where they're on dirt roads and gravel instead of asphalt, they're, they're, they're hauling cookies. We we've now sponsored a gravel race at this Boy Scout camp. Now this we're going into year three next year. Um, 119 miles, and uh, we had Alex House come down, and he did oh, nice. a little over five hours. Um, I, you know, I couldn't drive because of the curves and the stop signs. I could not drive the course in five hours, and he rode a bike that fast. And, yeah. and did you let women do the same distance? You bet. I hey listen, and they all uh, survived, right? Funny how crap. that happens. They yeah. were in the top forty, I think, in this last race. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, they climb off the bike and they're beautiful, and they get on the bike <laughs> and they kick my butt. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's it's yeah. Well, UCI, we just anyway. Um, 
we need an acronym contest. What does UCI really stand for? Uh, Carlton, Carlton, we need our sponsor turn to uh, sponsor this contest. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. Ultimate. Ultimately (laughs) cranking individuals. Ooh, I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, you brought you brought up this this issue of I think it was a cycling news reporter. Yeah, um, Ian Trellor from Cycling Tips. Cycling Tips. Thank you. I apologize. Uh, and um, he was told that he could not go uh, because well, they told that they said uh, that they had a three person per media outlet, outlet yeah. you know quota and that yeah. he would have been number 4 uh, but apparently the 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 reason that that he thinks that he wasn't allowed to be there is because he's been not unlike Tim Jackson particularly critical of the UCI. Yeah, but Ian's a far better writer and has way better research. He's got the receipts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so was there, you know, I remember reading about the 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 issue of of him not being able to be at the event. Uh, was there any sort of a resolution as a result of that? None that I've heard of, and certainly mm. not one that's that's been satisfactory to anybody. Mm. Um, you know, I, I and Ian uh, being Australian and worlds were there in Australia. It was pretty. I don't know obvious to to virtually everybody who was associated with it that (laughs) that it was uci just not wanting him there because and i think there there were some comments that may have been unofficial and i don't want to make any uh, proclamations but i think there was some acknowledgement from uci of why would we want someone so critical of us there And or someone who wasn't going to say nice. I can't remember what it was, and and I don't I don't remember who it was attributed to. I certainly not Lapartian, but it would have been you know on par for UCI to to say the quiet thing out loud because they they frequently do. Um, but I, I I don't think really anybody disputes the looks of it. The optics do not favor the UCI in this situation at all. Well, I mean, this these stupid idiots created a bigger media event than the race. You know, this has had a longer life than the race itself. I mean, if they just would have let him in, it would have there would have been nothing. Um, and and what I would really appreciate if the UCI would bring a race to the United States and then not let a reporter in, um, uh, please, because I need money. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a moneymaker here in the U.S. So bring it on, folks. It's, it's definitely the Streisand effect. They've, they've, they've made it more, definitely more newsworthy yeah. by doing that. So that from that from a PR point of view, Tim and, and Donna, that, and that was just crazy. They knew that would, would blow up. But I, I made a point on Twitter when, when this uh, came up, and that is even at the height of me chasing around Switzerland, uh, doing really, really very, very critical stories about Pat McQuaid um, and the IOC, you know, back in the day. Um, I never got banned. He still talked to me and I was still allowed in the UCI uh, headquarters. Uh, so they never, you know, they, they didn't like what I was doing. They hated what I was doing, but they didn't stop talking to me. So to do what they did is just 
Yeah, because super super. Yeah, because as a PR person. Yeah, I mean, Tim, as a PR person, you're always looking for the opportunity to change the narrative, and and you can't (laughs) right, and you can't do that if you stop talking to them and allowing them to to cover your events because that's another opportunity for you to be able to talk with them and see where they're coming from and see if you can you know, spin, spin a little bit, um, right or wrong. Um, that's your opportunity. And now you're taking something away from yourself and, and never mind, it's blowing up all over the place. And now you look like a total, you know, I'll, I'll keep myself out of jail this time, Jim. Yeah. I mean, if, if they actually, and, and let's face it, if, so sorry, if, if, if they're going to ban journalists for being critical, <laughs> you say, they're not going to have any journalists covering their events. <laughs> Their press rooms are going to be empty. Come I was just going to say, if they actually employ a PR communications person there, they either their head has exploded multiple times over, or they're completely clueless on what it means to be a PR and communications professional because they're clearly fumbling hey, loudly. Tim, and maybe they need you, Tim. Yeah, the t- UCI posts that job. You want me to let you know about it? That would be <laughs> negative. Actually, I think if if they were if they had any intelligence whatsoever, they would hire you. They would now, hire have somebody to, who's been critical. Yeah, but they would hire you because your reputation as not only being eloquent and a wordsmith, but also critical, and at the same time having a great attitude and grinning about it behind the scenes, you could possibly quickly get them at least in their forward-facing attitude, presence, you know, back on track. Um, I'll send you. A, I'll send a reference letter in for you. <laughs> Maybe we start a Twitter campaign to get Tim to be there. Yeah, oh, <laughs> our <man>. communications person. <laughs> and I'll show up to the job interview with a free Ian Trailor T-shirt on. <laughs> yeah, but boy, there's money there for and Donna on the UCI. Keep pushing it. There's money there. I guarantee you. You get arrested, I'm dancing <laughs> and booking a flight to Boston. So, <laughs> can I just put a, a good word in for Ian Trello as well? He is a oh my fabulous God. writer. If you go back onto Psyching Tips and you just you know click on his name and he's bring fantastic. up his art, he's he's and a brilliant writer. So he he's not you know he's not just yes. like you know reporting you know uh, he's done some fabulous fabulous pieces of work. I follow him on Twitter. The, he did a, a, I can't remember what it was exactly, but it was about a year ago, two years ago, yeah. where he did this spoof Phenomenal. piece. And it was just yeah. brilliant. It might have been April 1st. It might not have been April the 1st. But it was just, it was it was so in-depth. You could see there was a, yeah. so much work went into that. So Ian is is really one of the finest journalists we, we have in in the in the bike reporting yeah well so you did, you wasn't picking on like a nobody here which is obviously bad enough he was picking you know the UCL were picking on a really really uh highly well competent read. highly respected very <laughs> very you know, good journalist exactly and it's like so there's there's the number of times yes, you said this I was fully an agree. easy thing to do it's you know but it's it's just like the ECI don't do it halfway if you're gonna screw it up screw it up massively Yes, <laughs> like removing the kilo from the Olympics. Don't get me started. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's only uh, in pounds now, not kilos. Well, that that was Tim. That was that was that was when I was doing the, my UCI story. I was chasing Pat McQuaid to try and find out why they got rid of the the, the 
uh, Hilo in the Olympics. I'm going full Italian here. My hands are all over the IOC said it wasn't us. This is why we're doing video. It was that. That was the story I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, that was. You know, they've they've done many many cockups yeah. over the years, and this and this. You know, joint... we keep expecting them to get better, right? We, yeah. No, no. <laughs> Hang on. I I use the word expecting. That's probably the wrong word. We keep hoping. Praying. And I mean, if you probably go back to spokesman number one, and I should probably look up the show notes, I bet we were railing on the UCI back then. Um, And those were the McQuaid days, as Carlton said, back in the day, right? And, and, And yet... Every time there's somebody new or every time they promise they're going to get better, every time they say they're going to make changes, what's what's the term you used, Carlton? They cock it up? Do a headwind? Yeah, they cock it up. <laughs> so I, I just... Yeah, is that an English colloquialism? Yeah, yeah they, they cock I, it up. I would say, in, in defense of the Brits, that Cookson was probably the least um, crappy head of the UCI. Which is probably why he only had one term, because he wasn't playing the, the inside game that they like so much. We put that on his headstone. I was the least crappy head of the <laughs> And he likes trees. I love the fact that Cookson posts photos on Twitter all the time of trees and knows about trees. I just I think that's fantastic. Hey, that's, Jim, a, that's a good post-cycling life. <laughs> Jim, you posted something on our on our rundown about the making a change to what the support cars do in time trials. Essentially, uh-huh. everybody figured out, right, that 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 when a car is driving, it's pushing a cushion of air in front of it. And that yeah. that's helping the 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 rider who's being chased by this car. That's why they stack them up with every team bike. Right. Yeah, exactly. How many many possible, how many possible bikes can you go through in a, in a 40 mile time trial trial. and there's seven bikes on top and none of them are time trial bikes because time trial bikes are too aerodynamic, Yeah, you know, and, and then they put wheels in between. Um, and yeah, and just in case you have anything break, but you have anything break in a time trial, you're out. It doesn't matter. But again, back to NASCAR, we've known this forever. What took I when I read the article, I said, what took them so long? Right? Well, they don't they don't want to be fair. They don't want to be anything. They just want well, people and, to watch. Some of it is that that development of the, you know, uh, not to pick on Sky slash Enios, but the the development of the concept of marginal gains. There are things that, you know, it's like we know these things, but will it actually apply to cycling? Oh, yeah, it turns out that it does actually work in cycling, too. So I think that they, you know, obviously we've known that the, the cushion of air is there, but would it would it do anything for a cyclist? And when you get into the development of researching that one whisker on your face is going to add, a, a, you know, a watt of drag, well, then, yeah, you're going to start looking at the cushion of air behind you, too. Yeah. Well, it's get, funny how science slicing works. it that narrow, you know. You know that explains why they wanted me to a, be a follow car with my truck <laughs> and bikes on it. <laughs> Donna, Donna, it, it has the have the past three world uh, three years taught you nothing about what people think I about know. science. Come on, I'm sorry, you're right. <laughs> you know, science only applies to some things and not other things. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's 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 exactly right. Uh, I got. I have uh, one more. I guess negative racing topic. Um, 
Female cyclist finishes her race. She wins. And then did you guys see this video? Donna, I want to know, did you see this video that Jim put in our rundown? I saw it. I want to hear your thoughts before any of those of us of the male variety have our comments. I think that gentleman should never be allowed to work in an athletic event again, never mind just cycling. I think he should not be anywhere near athletes, maybe more, but we'll just leave it at that. Um, you know, when I when I read the article first and and I thought, okay, well, how how bad could it have been? I mean, he's at a finish line with a whole bunch of people. And, you know, if it was just a, he tapped her on the shoulder, like good job or whatever, I could see that it's, you know, you're excited, whatever, but he had his hands like he was possessing her and then she shrugged him off and he did it again. And then she shrugged, she actually told him to like go away and started to ride away and he kept putting his hand on her back and then he started like petting her it was like it was odd and then she rode away from him and he chased her and put his hand on her on her um on the bike saddle so there's first of all there's no reason for him to touch her ever even if you know and i read into the the article that maybe he was drug testing i you know I were I I'm on the board of directors of one of the larger races, um, road races running um, in the summer, and I know what drug testing has to do. They have to stay near you. They don't touch you. That's right. And you introduce yourself as I'm your drug testing person, and then you perhaps hand them a bottle of closed water, never opened because of the drug testing, and then you you walk next to them. You don't need to touch them ever, male or female. You never need to touch them. Um, you may have to lean in and say, you know, if they're chit-chatting or whatever, hey, we really need to move you along. You never need to touch them. That man never needs to be near athletes again. Well, and and on top of that, he had a handler that was next to him someplace who was in charge of all the people getting all the racers to drug testing. Because I've done this for ski races, for um, uh, fist ski races. I have. I was assigned to make sure all the racers had their drug testing handlers with them. And yeah, you, there's no need to touch anybody. But what you no. mostly do is you're keeping your hands out to keep people away from the winner because they're getting mugged. Um, you know, and you say, okay, when you're ready to go. And sometimes you got to do a, you got to stand next, you know, off the stage where there's a little podium visitation or something or other. Um, and then you just walk with them and you have a casual conversation, you know, how you doing today? You think it's sunny, you know, but your job is to protect them, you know, and make sure no one's handling, handing them anything or whatever. And it's not, you know, there's, I never thought about touching any of the winners. And I was, this was a women's fist race. Um, most of them were, well, they could have beat me up, but you know, (laughs) Um, well, I was just going to say that she was very, very nice because I think the second time I would have, I would have just thrown an elbow at him and, and, you know, and rode away from him because that was just creepy and uncalled for. And I don't, 
I don't even know when he takes her. Women's field too. I mean, this is this is not somebody who doesn't know what post race protocol is. It's not like she's just gonna ride away. She knows she's won so many races this year, like twenty some odd races, I think. So it's not like she's unfamiliar with what she's supposed to do after the finish line. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I creepy. Yes. And I'm so sorry that she had to deal with that after yeah. she won a race. That's it should be a, a really celebratory time for her and she should be able to just feel really good. And she had to deal with all of that. And I'm she she handled it very, very well. <laughs> Better than I would have. Yeah. So so here's what I love. I love the the female perspective and the perspective, the legal perspective, and the fact that both Donna and Jim have been involved in this exact role um and have this kind of experience so for those of you who may have read the article and said well you know here's your answer here's your response because i i i just think that again male female it doesn't matter just it was a very possessive thing yeah yeah i I agree yeah i agree possessive is a good word and when she turned around and said something to him you would have thought that he would have well apologized (laughs) or gotten the message but then again you know Okay, I'm going to move on to to a positive uh, uh, racing story. And again, Jim, this came from you, and this is about Colorado. And the fact that guys like Jalen Ramsey, a former Los Angeles Ram, uh, are investing in cycling in Colorado. Tell us about that. Well, it's it's a million-dollar purse for – basically, it sounds like a crit race. It's going to be in four locations. I can't remember where they are. but uh, Denver, Denver Atlanta, Miami, DC. Yeah. Um, the winner gets $750,000. And then the, you know, the 250,000 is divided down the next five or 10 levels. Um, and it's, it's a pro race, obviously, because they're getting paid. But it was just, uh, first of all, it's fantastic. It, with all the cyclists we have in Colorado, um, a, a million. You know, we can't have a pro race here hang in there for too long. Um, and it, it, but it's it's all on sponsorships and, and U.S. companies don't recognize um, what it takes, you know, how big cycling is and how to maximize uh, sponsorships uh, in U.S. cycling. And and the cycling companies aren't big enough to really pay out big money here in the United States uh, to do anything other than this maybe sponsor a couple races. But, yeah, so we're, we got this four um, race uh, crit scheduled next year. Locations have, I mean, the cities have been announced uh, and I suspect they're going to each city to find local sponsors, uh, but the course hasn't been announced or anything, but we got a, a race, you know, so, um, a few cool, th- really uh, additional cool things about this. The it's the national cycling league uh, mm-hmm. and they are a minority and female owned company there are at least three nfl players uh who are involved jalen ramsey kevin byard and derwin james uh and it's bringing cycling back to the united states and you know having lived in utah for 15 years and having enjoyed the tour of utah year after year after year and now watching it disappear um it's really great to have some level of high level professional cycling um, um being attempted here now the question is will it get traction will it survive sorry donna go ahead 
No, I, the other cool fact, if I read it correctly, is there is equal pay men and women. Yeah. So, you know, funny how that works that, you know, people think women can do good things too, <laughs> but equal pay. That's awesome. Do, do you know one of the, one, one of the favorites has got to be Justin Williams. So of Legion, uh, if it is a crit race, um, cause he, he tends to win crit races. Uh, and he was the guest. I don't on know the, if any of Legion is show. participating in it or so not. Just was on the that. writers haven't been announced. Yeah. Um, they're trying to pull things in. And I'm going to be the negative Nancy in this whole thing. I, I, I really want to see it succeed. But having gone through prior versions of this type of cycling league reinvented within the sport of cycling inside the U.S., that does anyone remember the series that was put together in the either late 80s, early 90s? Are you, the Trump race was, was also uh, headed up by former NFL player uh, that that augured like a lawn dart and left people without pay. Um, you know, and park literally parking lot criteriums. Uh, my former coworker Chris Horner was part of that series uh, that literally did laps around the old San Diego football stadium. That was the race course. So I, I'm they, they're announcing a whole lot of money. They're not naming any particulars. I really want to see this succeed, but I've done this dance before. And I, I'm I'm skeptical to say the least, but I would love to see it work because if anything is going to work in the U.S. in terms of captivating an audience, it's going to be compelling stories, which they they claim they're going to have because they're going to have a ton of data live streaming with them, yeah. being able to participate on virtual cycling platforms with them as well. So they're going to have that interactive component that will hopefully work. But criterium racing is the easiest type of racing to explain to a U.S. audience. I would, I, I wish it was track cycling, the, uh, whatever, <laughs> the, the World Cycling League, whatever it was that was on the track a few years back that died almost as fast as it took its first breath. Um, that didn't work. Track cycling should be really easy, but you know it's not necessarily, I admit. But uh, criterium racing is, is pretty basic. You do X number of laps for X amount of time, and the winner is the guy who was first over the line. Period. So that makes it pretty easy. Um, so it, it it's it's a very compact meal to be able to put on the table, and people should be able to enjoy. It's spectator friendly, is what you're saying. Because very you know, spectator yeah. friendly. You look at the the top races in the U.S. right now are races like Athens Twilight Crit. Because they're they're absolutely perfect for watching. People get out on the street, they scream, they yell. Tulsa tough that weekend in Tulsa. Holy cow! You want to talk about rabid fans? I mean, that's a week of crit races that finishes with Crybaby Hill on the last day, and people just lose their freaking minds because it's incredibly easy to understand what's going on, and it's compelling racing. And if NCL is able to get anywhere near that, then they have something that they that they can package and maybe even get a TV audience rather than just live streaming because that's where they're going to get eyeballs is if they actually get real media to pay attention to it. But I, I'm just, because right now it's all, this is what we're going to have as opposed to this is what we have. They haven't named a single writer involved yet. It's interesting. It's interesting to me because Jim brought up the Tour de Trump 
Um, which <laughs> that was supposed to be a sarcastic joke. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, if guys like us with gray hair, folks like us with gray hair, we remember those those attempts at getting Americans interested in watching cycling. Uh, and I just it it always I, I, it's always curious to me that you go to other parts of the world. Europe is is probably the best example where cycling is is everywhere uh, on TV. And it's part of their and, culture. Yeah, well, I, it, for sure. But um, it just it, it's always curious to me why it's never really taken off in the United States the way that those of us here on this show and those of us who are listening to this show hope and wish that it would be. You know, involved has I, big money. You know what we need? We need a Netflix documentary like that one on F1, right? Because now everybody's well, they're watching. They're actually F1. working on one. Uh, oh yeah, done during this year's tour. Good, but and then there's the 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 Movistar, which was seen the Movistar one. Very and cool. A current season version of it too that I haven't seen yet. Yeah. So so Tim, I'm curious, what do they have to do to, in your mind, to to make us believe it's going to be a success and to make it a success. And I think to make it a success, I, I wish I had the answer to that because I would, I would be rolling in dough because I would have done it years ago. Um, but that, and that's the million dollar question to, to David's point is why, why doesn't cycling work in the U S and that's, well, I, I, I don't know because I sure as heck like it, but for me to see what they're putting together, if they actually had a list of these are the riders we're going to have who have already signed up. These are the cities that we're going to be in. These are the composite teams that are going to be racing because next season is not that far away. And we don't have that. I've yet to see any chatter among the pros that I know who have said, oh, yeah, I'm I'm on board. I haven't seen, you know, like a bunch of the riders on the, the rally team here in the U.S. I mean, they would be they've got the the, the riders who would be prime for it. The Legion guys they're you know, you're not hearing anything from them saying, oh yeah, NCL, we're on it, baby. Nothing. So right now it's a lot of crickets and a lot of, I don't want to say smoke and mirrors, but at the moment, that's what it feels like. And having seen promises in the past of big dollar payouts for things that are going to exist that then evaporate before they ever really get anywhere I, I'm I'm skeptical. Again, I want to see it happen. I really do because it's if anything is going to be successful, it's going to have to be criterium racing because it's the easiest thing. It's the and it's the least expensive thing to put together. You can get a downtown area, which is still cheap. Excuse me, still expensive. But it's mm -hmm. a heck of a lot cheaper than trying to get 150 miles of road closed. Yeah, you know. So it, I mean, so so how it's going to happen? So, but is I, I know we feel this way about this press release because we've been in the industry too long and we've seen way too many of these. But at the same time, could it just be okay? Here's the idea. We got some money. We need more money. Let's see if we can generate some excitement. And yeah, for sure, that's what they're doing. They're, yeah, they're okay. trying to create and, a, a and draft. And we go from there. And we go to Denver and we get another million dollars out of Denver. We go to Atlanta and we get another million dollars out of Atlanta. We might be able to get this thing going. Okay, we got actual real money. Let's go find some writers. And each writer over time says, I'm showing up. I mean, I, you know, one thing about the Spokes Cycling Podcast is we're a little cynical. 
Uh, you guys oh. are not not me. Not me. I'm not the cynical one. <laughs> oh, but so another thing that they could do is they've got these three NFL players, right? And you know, Tim, you said it, I think. I heard you say stick and ball sports in the US. Um I don't know if any of the three of them actually ride as part of their training. I know hockey players do in the off season. They ride a lot. Um, it's very well known here in the Boston area that Zidane Charo, who just retired, he used to in the summer ride eight hours a day as part of his off off season training. You know, if any of them are actual cyclists or like cycling and get out there and start talking about it in their areas um, and to the mainstream media that could help and could work very nicely because they have put them at the top. There are three of them. They're all around the country. That may actually help if in fact they get out, they do the spiel, they talk to the mainstream media, they have some cycling background that could, that could very well pull in some additional media. Yeah. One of the biggest partners in the, in this whole thing too, is, is a very successful NFL uh, player agent. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very NFL heavy. Yeah. And also, don't you think though, it's sort of interesting that the, the press is coming from the football players involved, you know, you, I mean, you wouldn't see this in Europe where we've got these great soccer stars who are part of this cycling event, you know, but here in the United States to get press, uh, we're starting out with three former NFL players. Well, let's see what happens. Let's keep yeah. our fingers crossed and, and hope. I'm, I'm frankly, I'm enjoying Twilight on the North Sea while we're all talking because I know it's beautiful, Look right? At that. I mean, that's just. <laughs> I was just thinking, I really like to be there. <laughs> what a life! Um, I want to talk. I do want to talk about e-bikes because Tim, you actually put this in the rundown today, uh, and there's just a lot to talk about when it comes to to e-bikes rad power i think recently had a a, a recall if i remember right uh, they've got two lawsuits going right now what one one involving a death of a 12 year old and the other involving a, a fire that allegedly was uh due to battery faulty wiring and just uh, alleged the, the 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 suit alleges basically that it's just a very crappy bike with very uh crappy information so but it's, man it's, are those I, rad power bikes popular everywhere well yeah because of the price point Mo they're a fantastic price point yeah most e-bike manufacturers at some point in time are going to have an issue with some fire starting uh, oh yeah look at what the airlines have gone through um you know if you get a lithium battery and you set it in the middle of the room and give it enough time it may start a fire well, that's to hold on a second. Hold on. That's not fair. A, 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 a properly manufactured lithium battery is safe, but compress one, crash with one, and now they can become, they can become or get it volatile. Wet. Okay. And yeah. There's the, the NBB, NBDA recently put out a, a warning to all the retailers in the US, especially those who are in Florida. Uh, after Hurricane Ian, any of those submerged bikes, they need to get those batteries out and get them put where they can basically catch fire and and not burn down shops or homes. So there, I mean, it's there's some serious risk involved for all those bikes in South Florida that got flooded. I, I'm doing the legal work on that committee. Yeah, and and there's a there's a the the list of things that can create a lithium battery to possibly overheat and start a fire is longer than the way well 
the worst thing is there's no way to put it out yet. Right. Um, I'm thinking that maybe a can of spray foam that just seals and encases the whole thing might work, you know? Um, so yeah, there's, there's a, there's a lot more involved and I, I'm just going to still stand by my statement. You stick it in the middle of the room and just wait long enough. It could catch fire. Well, um, then what's, then what's our solution, right? So, so first of all, right, we, we know and that's the big question and, and currently. I, I want to yeah. a little disclaimer, right? We know that turn is, is our sponsor and, 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 when, when you talk to the folks at TURN, right, they'll tell you that they go above and beyond with safety testing and um, above and beyond what, what the what the rules are. And they get these things tested by independent labs and they use the best batteries and the best motors. So this is what TURN would tell you. Um, I've got a couple of not inexpensive uh, Trek E mountain bikes. Um, and you know, they're in my garage and the garage, my bedroom is over the garage. I feel pretty safe having them down there in my garage. Um, I've got one underneath me, my office, and it's been there for four years. So, so the, so what a lot of people are wondering and counselor, you're working on this. So I'm going to ask you this question. You know, there was all sorts of talk about fires at, at, at bike shops. Like, wasn't there one in New York that, that people were talking about and, yeah. There've been several. Is is the is the risk um is the concern overhyped? Are there things that people should know about when it comes to being safe with the bikes that they're buying that they have in their garages or their apartments? Give us give us your thoughts on that. Well, first of all, remember 5 to 10 years ago there were fires started by our cell phones. Mm-hmm. Um definitely there is an issue of the company that does i mean airlines wouldn't let have there was a period of time when you couldn't get on an airline with a cell phone you know a particular model of cell phone yeah if i remember right right. yeah right so so one it seems to be the more quality control that's put into the battery manufacturing uh, by the company better things are the cheaper the batteries there may be some more problems but the odds aren't the, the numbers aren't there to show that yet it's not a statistical enough of an issue to worry about um and then the next thing is just pay attention and don't screw it up um i have a tendency to remove the battery from the bike so that it is not under constant there's no constant electrical load going on I charge it. I charge it in the in the garage, which is mostly concrete and you know nothing else other flammable. And when it's charged, uncharge it, uh, unplug it, and leave it alone. Um, and and you stick it in the bike when you're ready to go. Um, and I, I, for the time being, I think that's the best thing to do. If you're going to store it for a long period of time, put it in the metal box. Um, put it someplace where it's going to be waterproof and and maybe airtight maybe not i there's some arguments there uh the airlines have put everything in in uh, in metal boxes or uh carbon fiber or fiberglass boxes that are airtight almost uh when they're putting them in airplanes so i mean yeah i've i've got one and i'm not gonna stop <laughs> i've got a white rim trail coming up and i keep thinking boy if i had an electric bike i could get out of schaefer's without doing the hiking bike routine <laughs> um, well, my bike. That's gets why tired. I love my e mountain bike. That's right. My bike gets tired. It's not me. Um, so <laughs> you know, and and so, but it, it's an issue. You got to pay attention to it. 
like when we had cell phones, it was an issue. We had to pay attention to it. Like when, you know, anything new comes on the market, they throw them out there and away they go. Um, we get better and things get, I don't want to say safer. Attorneys never should say safer, but things get better. Um, and I also, I also want to make a quick comment about that one 12 year old death lawsuit by Rad. The, the victim was riding on the bike behind another 12 year old going down a steep, a, a hill where battery or not it you know it, it, it was a bad idea yeah the crash would have killed somebody anyway um yeah. the fact that the bike had a battery in it you know adds to the issues um and uh, you know we can, i can i can talk for days about why lawsuits get started especially with kids and angry parents and parents don't understand and uh, the bike was not owned by the victim's family uh, the, vic the the owner of the of the bike didn't know that there was somebody riding on the back. You know, there's all sorts of screwy things. And it, and I looked at it as 12-year-olds having fun. And somebody died, you know, and it's really, really sad. But I don't see that lawsuit as a, as the press is making it a hype of the type of bike as much as it is a 12-year-old died riding on the back of a bicycle going downhill. So, Carlton, I want to know if you wanted to weigh in on this because you've certainly had plenty of experience with electric bikes, and and you know you talked to enough manufacturers. Any thoughts on this? Mm. I, yes, it, it, it's difficult to to know exactly on certain the, the fires. So on the fires front, you often find that yes, it's sometimes like a whole factory can go down, and they are quality bikes made by that factory. But an awful lot of the domestic fires, when you actually dig into what was the bike, what was the actual battery there, it, it, it very often, uh, not all the time, and sometimes it's a quality one, but very often it's these crappy ones. And these crappy ones are a risk. You know, the, the, the delivery guys, the, the guys riding around you know, delivering food to people, and they're very often on these crappy Chinese things. You, you look at them, you think, that's a fire risk. Because they're jerry-rigged together, these are not, you know, bony fide you know, manufacturers, you know, fitting the best, you know, batteries. The, these are some pretty hokey things. So a lot of them could potentially be these very, very subpar machines, subpar batteries. And yes, there's a much, much greater risk on those things. So the bikes underneath your your feet into your garage and the and the gyms. I would say there's much, much more likelihood of you're fine. If you had a crappy Chinese one, I would put that in, in uh, flame proof. I would put it in lead. I'd do all sorts of things because they're the ones that very often are the ones that are going. You know, I, I, I was in Shanghai about five years ago for business. And oh, you see so many electric bikes and scooters and motorcycles just going everywhere. And then uh, literally while you brought that up, I went on Alibaba. And I just put in electric bike. And you can get some bikes that look amazing for 500 bucks. Now, I would never keep that in the garage that sits underneath my bedroom. There's no way, <laughs> right? But but I will tell you because years ago, years ago, I don't know, three, four years ago on the show, we were probably talking about electric bikes. And, you know, we we were saying the things that, or at least I was, that, 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 other, that you hear from people, oh, you know, that's cheating. 
right? If you're going to go mountain biking or you're going to go road, but Carlton will tell you he was recently on a trip where it was road riding and Carlton, am I right? All these folks were riding electric road bikes. Yeah. I mean, we are coming to the position now. I think we have gone past the tipping point of uh, the industry is now very much going electric bikes. This is this is not something you know. If you are against them, you are pretty much out <laughs> on a, a limb now. This is this is the industry is going that way, and it's going to be you know. Do you call them an analog? You don't. Even, you won't even have that issue. Almost everything on the bike will be electric in in, in some way, shape, or, yeah. or or form, and some of them will have propulsion. Um, and I, it's you know, extrapolate twenty years, and I think the the, the analog, the manual kind of bicycles that we are. All the industry analysts think that's going to be a, a minor. It's going to be electric. Whether you like that or not, that's, that's what. Yeah, so yeah, I'm trying to find a road bike now. And, and I, I can see that. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. It's going to take a long time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But I, can I just say something? I am going further and further, as you can see from, from the, the video there, I'm going further and further away from land. I should imagine that I will be not speaking to you. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll carry on going and we'll see how far I get but we're getting further into the North Sea and I think it'll just peter out and I, you'll just you'll just suddenly I'll fade I haven't sunk just, oh, that's good thing to know yeah. cell phone and, yeah if you're well, sinking throw the rate throw the phone it's wait you're also moving looking out the window you're hauling butt yeah you know less yeah yeah it's 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 going some I mean, it still takes 15 hours to get there, but it, it's a long way. It's a long way from Newcastle. And the weather's there. nice, so that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's okay, Carlton. I was getting ready to wrap the show anyway, so hopefully we'll have a chance to uh, to hear from you oh, at the very end of the show. We're not going to talk about the $30,000 no. ride? No, I'm not. <laughs> no. Come that's on. A, that's a podcast I think that's competitor. Hilarious. I think that's hilarious. Oh, All right, Jim, I give, you, I give you 30 seconds. If you have $30,000, you can go for a bicycle ride with Lance Armstrong. And if that's if what you you're spending your $30,000 $30, on, you can get a couple of really nice e-bikes for that. Yeah. Or or you could get Philip Ogana's Pinarello. Ooh, yeah. 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 Well, that might be the front triangle for 30 grand. Right. Yeah. Or you could give it to a really nice charity. Or yeah. you could buy bikes for your kids, Jim, at the camp. I could, I, I could only give give you uh in colorado you go to the boy scouts here i can give you a fifteen thousand dollar colorado state tax credit plus the charitable deductions so See, this, this, this is why we like having a lawyer on the show yeah <laughs> no you just like a drunk on the show let's get real <laughs> and this is why we do it in the morning yeah. <laughs> all right folks that's gonna wrap the show i'm gonna go around and, and <laughs> have each of you tell us who you are and where you can be found these days so that people can follow along with all of your shenanigans tim jackson Oh, geez. Why do I always go first? I said things? shenanigans. What do you want? Uh, well, they can find me at, at Tim Jackson on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And and uh, uh, since Donna mentioned it, the, the typed up poetry is on analog assassins. Um, and otherwise, just, you know, if you like shoes and cycling shorts, uh, I don't do helmets, um, certain bikes, then I'm, I'm probably chattering away in the background somewhere there, too. All right. Sounds good. Donna. 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Donna Tosi. You can also find me on Instagram. Um, you can find Bella since we mentioned her. She has her own Instagram at official Bella Husky. Um, so yeah, you can find me in all those places and lock up those bikes, people. Every one of them, the electric bikes, the mountain bikes, all of them. Lock them up. You should see the locks. They're kryptonites, by the way, that I have for Very good. electric <laughs> bikes. Because right. yeah. Boy, very good. good. I know you guys can't I... see back there, but I still have my locks. I've got there's there's two there. Oh, there's yeah. a chain there. <laughs> Jim. I bleed green. Uh, anonymous. Uh, <laughs> Jim Moss, Recreation Law, uh, Recreation Dash Law, Recreation Dot Law. Just search Recreation Law, you'll find me. The and I man... like to communicate. Yeah, don't be shy. Yeah, he's the man with about 50,000 different email addresses. Well, I have one for each personality. Okay, <laughs> got it. Okay. Carlton. And you guys all agreed. That's the scary part. Everybody <laughs> on the video. Say it seems oh, totally oh, fitting. Oh, shook your heads going, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if you're still, you're still hearing yeah. me from the North Sea, so I am Carlton Reed on Twitter. Uh, I am Carlton Reed Bike on Instagram. Not so big on Instagram, but I am there somewhere. And search for my name on Forbes.com or on The Guardian or even on the Daily Mail. So you'll get my travel stories there. So I'm kind of around there. You got to have your own like uh, newsreader David, just, for, David. just for Carlton so you can yeah, keep up yeah. with his RSS feeds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> well, you do. You have all three, all yeah, three dot com. So all3.com is exactly that. It's just you have all your stuff on there. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Carlton, I think you were asking where I can be found yet. Yeah. Uh, so I'm David Bernstein, uh, originally and perhaps again soon from the Fredcast Cycling Podcast. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm not really on Twitter very much. You can find me on Instagram, simply Fredcast. And if you really want to geek out on um, our camping adventures, you can find us at Al Denti Adventures on Instagram. Because Al, because it's aluminum and Denty, because they can get dented. And we thought that was a really clever name. So that's for our current very small Airstream. And then come January, February, it will be a very large Airstream. So there you're fine. Hey, I, I think we should have a sub segment of, of Airstream things. You can do one and I can do one for every podcast we might have to start a separate podcast just for that because oh, i think geez. we'll bore everybody else and that's gonna do it for this episode of the spokesman cycling roundtable podcast i just have to say one very important thing it is great to be with you all and to see you all and to spend time with you guys and as jim keeps pushing all of us we need to do this more often so let's try to make that attempt because also it makes carlton's life much easier <laughs> and that's what it's all about anyway that's what we live for to make Carlton's life easier so this has been the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast you can find links and show notes at the-spokesmen.com uh, we do this show very infrequently and hopefully more often but Carlton is really good with some really interesting and compelling content very frequently on The Spokesman. So make sure that you stay subscribed and tell your friends about The Spokesman. We will be back with another show soon. But between that show and this one, The Spokesman have spoken. <laughs> <laughs>